Wait, hold on. Well, leave, the, um, leave, the, leave the chat about the TSA stuff till uh, the after show. Yeah. So we won't let the, uh, the main <laughs> people know about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm still sore. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, should we go live? And God. Oh, it seemed to really be. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Hey, it's it's uh, yeah, a bit of a slow start today, really. Yeah, no, it, it's exciting actually, because it's. Uh, I don't know about Jamie, but I've certainly been kind of experiencing quite a bit of FOMO over the last. Epic weeks. FOMO, yeah. Of people flying out to the states, people in the states, kind of having adventures, and then kind of yeah, culminating. And then in... Rasmus arrived and. <laughs> The, the second yeah. wave of the Viking invasion, you mean? Um, and 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 then kind of this amazing weekend, last weekend. Yeah, it was a bit damp in the middle. Though. Yeah, yeah I, did I did not, park, did not, did not have FOMO about that. Having <laughs> had floods, we've got, we've got. In fact, we've got some. Uh, the end of our road, not all of it, but at the end of my kind of sort of street. Uh, it's going to be closed off from week tomorrow for five weeks. Ooh. Oh, uh, wow. for goodness! New, new kind of uh, drainage being put in for a flood prevention program. Yay! Now, so is it common funny. that it would take more than the expected five weeks? Because we were told ours was going to be like six to eight weeks, and it turned well, into a year and a half. From what I can gather. There's already a, there's already a, a, a there's already a pipe reference. under the road. There's already a pipe under the road, mm. uh, which is about it's about an 18 inch pipe underneath the road. Okay. From what I can understand, there's another 18 inch pipe. Yeah, another 18 inch pipe going under the road alongside it, and they're also, from what I can gather, going to be there's a garden uh, kind of alongside the kind of culvert which is causing the problem. They need to straighten out the culvert a bit, so they're going to dig a chunk of that garden out. Um, not quite into ours because it's it, it's very close to ours. Chunk the garden out, uh, put another pipe in, and then cover that back over. So, why don't they just drill a few holes, let the water drain through? Yeah, yeah, or, or clean out the culvert higher up where people have built into it. Yeah, uh, silly people. Sure that one. Yeah. Mm. But uh, money, yeah, so didn't no, fo science, no FOMO for the flooding, yeah, no FOMO for the flooding, <laughs> serious FOMO for yeah, the rest I think of it. Seeing people, you know, sort of wading around, still trying to move lumps of hot steel to anvils and things while splashing water everywhere is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that got very interesting, uh, yeah. especially when but we actually had like this wall of rain, like it was drizzling, and then just a lot of it came out all at once. And you could almost see it like just come at a waterfall off the tents and into all the fire pots. Ooh. Yeah, and I, I, I have to really uh, give creds to Bob and Art and the fire pots he brought because none of them cracked. They were all going hot and none of them cracked, which is nice. really impressive. <laughs> Flooding nice. our makers yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> FOMO. <laughs> Yeah. Cat skills definition of FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flooding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a um a serious bonding experience that uh yeah. you know we'll have memories of this forever. Mm. 
a trial by adversity, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit interesting, though, to sort of be walking around the blacksmith tent and have five centimeters, I think, of standing water in and around all of the anvils and things. Makes quenching easier. <laughs> I, I did see a lot of people who was like, I, I have a hot pit of something, I need to cool it off, and the bucket is over there. Let me just drop it for a second. And sure hopefully I'll just... find it. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was a trick. Up all of the steel and put it on the floor, then all the water would have evaporated and you'd have been dry again. <laughs> sort of. I think there's a bit more water than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in fact, it like didn't just flood the tents outside it also flooded the pavilion where the beer was which was more yeah. of a concern for most of us it was mm. like what we're gonna have to stand on picnic tables for karaoke yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep it does seem like the perfect thing to happen to a you know a massive group of makers surrounded by materials and tools and then one problem to solve for everyone it's right. like the perfect chance to all collaborate. Or what, point, what point did it hit? Was it Saturday afternoon, wasn't it? Saturday yeah. Afternoon? All of Saturday basically it was raining, but worst in the evening kind of thing, just afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it started like mist raining on Friday. So it was yeah. a pretty steady mist rain when we all went to bed. And then woke up in the morning, it was still like through the night there was a, a pretty good downpour at different parts like dave and Ras. i don't know if you guys woke up in the middle of the night um but i woke up to like just a deluge and realizing that the bathrooms were not just like 10 feet away i had to walk across the property oh. um which was interesting like yeah. sitting there waiting for it to like calm down a little bit so i wasn't soaked getting back into the tent <laughs> How many of you were camping? Mm -hmm. Raz, you were camping, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Dave I was not that. camping. No. He was glamping. I'm fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was That's actually camped sensible. down by the river. And uh, I, I realized after a few hours that rains and rivers do things together. They, they tend to get bigger. And yeah. I think the river, uh, the, the height of the river increased by nearly half a meter. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it used to be maybe five meters away from my tent, and it got to meter and a half, two meters. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, but that was uh, uh, Tim who gave me a lift from uh, Tony's place and to Maker Camp last year. Uh, he was, I camped to the exact same spot last year, and so did basically he. So uh, while we were having dinner, I think it was, he just texted me and was like, I think that river is approaching your tent. <laughs> uh, and we walked out and I was like looking at it. And I was like, well, the worst of it has stopped. So fingers crossed, this is the max. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I can like, swim I'm... if I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm on an airbed. I'll float away. It's fine. <laughs> uh, right. None, none of those things. Uh, it's very difficult to swim inside of a sleeping bag. <laughs> What's your experience? Doing the worm doesn't work underwater, sadly. Oh my goodness! It was it was pretty intense. Yeah, but luckily, like it, that was the worst of it. And I came back an hour later, and it's like I think it's gone down a tiny bit. And then two hours after that, again, it's like oh, now it's definitely fallen by ten centimeters or something. So it's like uh, just slight bit of excitement in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. That, that's a sentence out of context. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Was me from this time. <laughs> no, that's 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 a, a rare bit of insight on reflection. <laughs> and I'll shut up now. It sounded like fun, if nothing else. It really was. It really was. And um, I was the only one out of the three of us that didn't have an activity that I was like tied to on the regular. So I was able to kind of walk around and get to do the activities. So um, Mm. it was a, it was definitely a lot of, it was my first maker camp. So I wanted to kind of leave it to just enjoying the event. Um, I was supposed to do a throwing session on Saturday, but because the water and um, the electrical doesn't really work so well, they had to shut the power off to most of the tents, including the pottery tent. So I had to wait until Sunday to do a demo. Um, But for the most part, I got to do everything from metal smithing to um, silver smithing. And I I got to sew a a bag with um, uh, Patty and, What else did I get to do? I got um, got to do some wood woodworking, a little bit of um, work on the shave horse. It was fun. Never done that nice. before. <laughs> Excellent. So, I mean, it's so. I mean, for a, for a first time tidy going today, did it meet your kind of expectations? Having seen you know, all the social medias from the last few years. I think it exceeded because in my head, I I guess I thought that we were just going to be watching people like Dave um, Prince and Rasmus do his thing in the, in the forge and not actually get hands-on, but all of the makers that were there and running the tents were super generous with time and materials. And um, it just like, even the quality of, of what we were doing, felt like it was more than just, oh, here's like some scraps that I had in my shop that I brought. It was more like, hey, you're actually going to design something and bring it to life and to fruition from, Mm -hmm. you know, what I have here. And I'll give you the steps. Um, Dave, with what you were doing with the um, carving, the the stamps and everything for the printing and all of that stuff. um, It just was like, so much more than I could have thought. And I really liked what they did for the forge area, right? So they um, started almost like a, a progressive dinner. Have you ever gone to one of those where it's like you go from one location and eat like the first part of the meal and then you go to another location and eat another part of the meal and and so on and so forth. So you're traveling to like all these different stops to experience the different mm. things. It was like that. So they were, I, I think it was just an ax so you started off, you know, picking out your materials and, and, you know, getting things cut to size. And then you go through the process of actually building it out. And at the end, you have like an axe, which was pretty nice. friggin' cool to me. Like, I really wish that I, I got in on that <laughs> early enough, um, <laughs> yeah. but I got to like see everybody else do them. It was pretty cool. So is it all like things that you uh, just like book the things and, pay for them or was it kind of a free-for-all people you know offering it up as as have a go sessions for free or what's the kind of the the setup there 
all of the things that I participated in were free. Um, it was just for most of the tents, it was first come first serve. Yeah. Um, in, in the case of Patty's tent, like Friday and Saturday, she had signups. So you would like put your name for that hour at your sewing machine. Cause she only had, I think like nine machines. Um, nice. but I think Dave, I'm, I'm not sure how you handled, handled that or like how you made the decision on how that would work for you. Um, I didn't want to do any organization. So <laughs> and, um, I just basically put all the materials on a table and people wandered by. And then if uh, someone wanted to sit down and try it and there was still room for them to sit, we could, they could get started. So and it, it's, you know, there's a lot less equipment required. You know, it's just, mm. uh, you know, just the carving tools and the, you know, the material to make the stamp. So it's, a lot easier to get started than the you know sewing machine or you need a forge or a you know saw or something. Yeah. So. so Dave, you you were you ran it last year as well, didn't you? Yes. So last year was your first year running a sort of station. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the first first year, uh, you know, was a lot smaller. You know, and I pretty much did all the activities, and then the second time. Um, it didn't expand that much, you know, because they had the the break there for a year. And um, so after that, I was like, well, I've done all the stuff. What can I do if I come back? What am I going to do? So, <laughs> and, um, you know, the whole original concept of the camp was to share, like, what you know. So I figured that um, setting up a thing to do block printing was, you know, a really approachable activity and, you know, I something that I could easily do so um i just jumped in and offered that last year and uh, it was popular and people really enjoyed it so i did it again yeah it cool. seemed like so, it was always full too like people were really yes. enjoying yep. it yeah so we had scheduled times but pretty much once i started doing it people kept coming and then you know we didn't you, you know if someone was still there more people came in we didn't really take breaks so did you see <laughs> you know you know, between four and six hours there, you know, from the start until dinner time. It's heavy going, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a lot less work than the Forge, which they usually get started a little bit earlier, and they keep going until, you know, all day. And it's obviously a little bit uh, more effort for the, you know, the instructors to do that than to, you know. Nah, it's, not. it's just grunting and pointing. <laughs> 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 Is, that's wrong? why you didn't get invited to teach <laughs> you, you might be onto something there um, <laughs> but yeah no i've been the, the guys running the forging thing like they were at it all day and they shut down only for midnight i think mm -hmm. yeah which is no kind of amazing bastards. yeah <laughs> no I, I think i think that's more of a safety thing with amount of alcohol people consumed <laughs> <laughs> I was I was wondering yeah. whether it was just out of politeness for the people who were trying to sleep at that time. Oh hell no! That, that was no. not politeness for sleeping people. <laughs> they they the were running that karaoke pretty loud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was louder than the you had to for a while. you had to drink yourself to sleep, basically. <laughs> well, last year I actually had to sleep with my isotunes in, but I think because of the rain, the river was loud enough, though, so that was oh. drowning people out. Nice. I mean, plus minus amount of jet lag and all of that, but yeah, that, that worked. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, because the rain, I'm guessing, was really soothing and just perfect to send you to sleep. Oh, yeah. I really liked it. <laughs> be careful. The tricky thing is just to be floating away at sleep because that can be dangerous, especially downriver. Yes, differentiating between the sound of rain on the tent and the sound of the river approaching the tent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it depends partly on the nature of the ground and the type of tent you got. I mean, I've, I've, I've camped in pouring rain and kind of woken up, kind of semi-submerged in mud, hardly mm. able to move, but yeah, actually kind of constrained by a sleeping bag, sleeping mat, and the ground sheet, which is perfectly sewn in. So yeah, the water was perfectly dry, mm. just semi-submerged in a pool of mud. Yeah, I've also done that, sort of. For some reason, the most comfortable spot in the terrain is like a divot, and you sleep in this like this big. It's basically like a big watertight sleeping bag, and then you have the sleeping bag and your backpack inside of that. It's something developed for the Norwegian Army ages ago, and of course, I'm crazy and I bought baby bag. It was, yeah, yeah, something, right. something. Cool text, uh, or something like it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I literally woke up and felt like this was nice, and I sort of I could hear the rain outside while sleeping and all of that, and then I opened up the thing and I was like. I was like, oh, there's it's actually I'm in the middle of a puddle now. There's water all Oof. around me. <laughs> and my head is just on the bank, sort of a little bit upwards out of it. <laughs> so you need my sleeping bag with the, the full sleep suit thing. But so you just unzip the feet, bags. put the boots on and walk off. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, don't, I don't think anyone's ever done a bivy bag that does that as well. Yeah, the the, the the walk-off sleeping bag's been done in a few different variations. Mm. Uh, I think the German army had one for a while. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the bivy bag, I do like a bivy bag. I do like kind of mm. sleeping without a tent, just in a bivy bag and a sleeping bag. But that's probably a discussion for another another episode, I think, rather than <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. maybe. Then again, so, I like camping. So the... Uh, does the activity start on the Friday? Yeah. Well, just so it's kind of it's things start going on Friday, sort of yeah, afternoon. Yeah, like morning. Uh, Friday from two o'clock, I think it was. Or... Well, it might have been earlier. I think eleven a.m. was the scheduled start time for oh. some things. Oh, okay, cool. I, I just yeah. know that uh, the forges was scheduled to arrive around noonish. Yeah, they had. Right. Um, they didn't have so much of an opening ceremony kind of thing. It was just kind of like a bunch of people were already there the night before. Yeah. So people just kind of started digging in, you know, when they woke up in the morning. But I, I liked that they did have a Excel schedule. So you could see like what was happening in each tent. Wait, there was a schedule? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Big surprise there, mister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can download it to your phone. So like if if you're at the event and you want to see like, you know, what time is the um the leather crafting starting? Like what time do I need to like be from over at this tent to over there? Um and then there were you could see who was hosting those. So if there was a specific maker that you wanted to learn from, maybe you weren't so interested in the craft, but you were interested in meeting that maker and, and learning something from them, um, you could search by that in the sheet too, um, which was, which was kind of cool. There were things going on through the day, like demos of different uh, equipment. 
uh, like CNC machines and um, Isotunes was there. You could check out all of their products. Um, there was, I didn't make it over to like the welding tent, Lincoln's area, but they had a full day of demos and things there where you could get hands-on practice on, you know, welding cubes and those kind of things. Mm. But welding it was all on the schedule. Sounds like a dangerous combination to me. What's that? Welding and flooding. Oh, like <laughs> that's why they cut the power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The welding, the welding area actually stay dry they're actually on a like a concrete pad oh and nice. they luckily did not oh, that's good the coffee have, tent yeah. did not no no they were right in the middle of the field that was uh that was very disappointing the coffee mm -hmm. tent didn't make it the whole day yeah yeah it was a bummer paul paul jackman was there he was doing demos and um had to stop he was doing like some power carving demos and that kind of thing um and he he couldn't do it so he went up top to like do some scroll saw work to prep for the next day um so he was just kind of like oh guess i'm gonna go do this thing over here with this machine i wasn't planning on using <laughs> right was, there was definitely a lot of that yeah yeah was i mean for some some of the people that were like running classes and things they probably probably felt like a little bit of a reprieve right mm. but yep yeah, I mean they had a break, and it was interesting because the the forges specifically they were rained out most of the day, but after basically after dinner it pretty much stopped raining, and they uh, started right back up, and you know they were ready to go, you know, and make sure people got an opportunity to try that. They didn't, um, you know, they wanted to make sure to keep going. Yeah, with with a good kind of provision for to ensure that demonstrators and tutors got the chance to go and do things as well i think for so the Dave, most part, I mean, yeah you, you said you were kind of scheduled for a certain time but yeah you kept going while people were still turning up but did you get a chance right. to go and try things yourself uh a little bit and you know and again that's kind of it ends up being self-imposed um but i was able to get to do a couple of different things and you know if i managed my schedule a little bit better I definitely could have done more, but it's, it's so difficult. There's, I can't even imagine. I, I don't know if anyone counted up all the different activities and demonstrations there were, but you know, there were dozens. So it was, it would have been very difficult to see everything, even if you, <laughs> you planned out your schedule perfectly. So, yeah, I, there was a lot of things going on at the same time. I think they kind of tried to put things in some kind of rotation so that, uh, the most stereotypical interest wouldn't conflict so much. Mm -hmm. okay. But I mean, uh, most of the people I talked to that was demonstrating, they were sort of like, yeah, I have one thing each day. And right. the rest of the day, they, they are off and doing things, but they were not running a booth. They were just coming in to demonstrate. Um, but yeah, then, but then you have like people like Dave and who people who did the forging and all that, that like, they were at their thing all day long. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and the yeah. same goes for the people who did the food and the barbecue. Like they were cooking and preparing things the entire weekend. Mm -hmm. And then let's not forget Mark Adams, the photographer. Oh yeah, no, by all means, he is. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was started. Set up. Yeah. He started when he when he arrived. He just he didn't do anything but take his truck out, set up the booth, and start taking pictures of people. 
and he was the last one to take things down on Monday morning. That's right. Yeah, everybody else is pretty much packed up on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and a lot, but you know, some not everybody leaves Sunday night. You know, some people don't travel until Monday, and everybody. Yeah. He was still set up to get. You know, anybody was still there. They could get their picture even on Monday morning. Mm. And yeah, that's phenomenal. And he, the pictures yeah. he takes, yeah, just amazing. Mm. Especially some of the group pictures. It's, it, I, I think that was kind of, for me, kind of some of the FOMO was more about seeing some of the groups of people, people I knew, kind of meeting other people and having their photograph taken by Mark because they they just been plastered across Instagram. More yeah. so perhaps than seeing some of the the demonstrations and some of the activities. I I, I didn't see anything on purpose. I accidentally ended up <laughs> getting watch, ended up watching uh, Mareka Mamasi doing a chef knife handle demo on the belt sander at Broadback. Uh, I did that for an hour because I was supposed to go over there and sharpen my knives, and it's like, ooh, he's doing things. That's interesting. And then watching him, and it's like, even in the time he was demonstrating something and talking and explaining things and stopping and show, handing the knife around and all of it, he is probably faster at that thing than I would be solely focusing on it <laughs> yeah which is crazy <laughs> but that, that's kind of what you get when you're like only really focusing on one skill and mastering that mm. yeah i mean and truly he has hasn't he i mean he's, he's got that there's, there's a style about it isn't there i mean he's, he's mm. just got his style nailed down and he has a system for how to get it nice quickly and accurate so when you yeah. have that and you sort of you know what to look for you can ignore like you know like when this line and this line is parallel and when you have like this amount of distance up here like that's good then you move on to the next step yeah. and you're just checking this bit and this bit versus that thing and if that's good you move on to the next bit instead of continuously having to turn the whole piece around and thinking about it and mm. feeling it for half an hour and so on and so forth so, knowing the yeah. rules knowing the process and then knowing what can be yeah. bent or broken too. Yeah. Mm. A lot of merit in that kind of thing. And it's like you say, it's very it's very nice to watch someone who's got that kind of process down, especially yeah. if it's something that you do as well, to then just kind of see that refinement. Especially I think because we're all so diverse in our interests. Mm. It's very rare for one of us to properly hone in on just one thing and you know, hammer it to its extension kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, another thing I actually saw, also kind of accidentally, was a stonemason splitting rocks. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah that was also really fun. Clip of that on uh, Instagram. Yeah, I think I shared a little something there. Uh, and that's also kind of magical because, like, he uses a drill, he drills some holes, and then he puts in the wedges and the things, and he just goes tap, 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 and nothing happens. And then it goes, uh, and it's in two pieces. And I was like, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of a crack before it goes, but then it pops. And yeah, that's wicked, that sound. And really that's that's tech that technique is thousands of years old. Yeah, yes. right. Yes. I, I think it's one of those where we, when you see something like that and you go, hang on, that's... It's a metal wedge that I can make, and I've got a drill. Mm. This is in immediately now accessible. And then you try it, and you go, this is really difficult. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was talking about sort of 
how you need to watch the rock and what kind of rocks you need to pay attention to and whatnot. And when you have something like granite and mar mar uh, marble, uh, it's homogeneous. So you can put whatever scoring lines in whatever direction you want, and it will crack along that, basically. Mm -hmm. But you only had um, sedimentary stuff, I think. Yeah. Where you have more of layer lines. You so you, layers, you need to pay attention yeah. to what direction you're doing things in relation to that, which behaves mm. suddenly, suddenly kind of like grain in wood in stone. And that's right. oh, very much so. If you've got metamorphic rock that has come from sedimentary, so yes. where you get okay. something like slate, if you ever yeah. get a chance, go and see some of the sort of slate mine museums up in North mm. Wales. And they are literally cutting sheets of slate that are four or five millimeters yeah yeah eight eighths of an inch three eighths of an inch and the big sheets and they're just perfectly yeah. flat and it's just knowing exactly where to tap with a mm. hammer and chisel and it's not even that they're not even particularly sharp chisels no but it's just no. kind of knowing and they don't really, they don't really whack it it's just a, a couple of little taps in the right place and where it shears it's, it's it's the same kind of witchcraft as when you see people with the big massive sheets of glass and then they just kind of go like a and then just yeah. drop it and it then it's just perfectly formed thing that comes out <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolute witchcraft yeah beyond the realms of mere models yeah but uh Heidi, did you get a chance to see anything specific or i mean i saw so much <laughs> i mean you did a few things but like did you see something that to that wayne um, well, I, I was really impressed with the Mason, the so Mason. I, I did go over and I, I saw him let a I already said that. Pick something else. I know, but I saw a two-year-old <laughs> no. do it. And I was like, oh, oh wow. That's great. You know, he just Ross showed him involved. how to like hit the little Shut thing up. to make it work. <laughs> and, and he was That's like, great. Yay. Um, I would say, oh, well, I spent a lot of time in, in the forge watching everybody work and and that's always impressive to me um because it's it's something that i don't dabble all that much in um mm -hmm. but it feels so relatable uh to to you know clay work mm -hmm. um there was a raku um ceramicist there so it's like he doesn't always do raku uh and actually he said he hadn't done it in probably like eight years um mm -hmm. so he he said it felt like riding a bike, right? So <laughs> um, I got to spend some time with him a little bit, kind of talking about material and, and talking about like this new age of ceramics, uh, you know, of being more, not more accessible, but more popularized because of social media. Um, and there's there's a bit of a, a resurgence not a raccoon <laughs> he's not a raccoon he's not a trash panda it's raccoon r-a-k-u um yeah. it's uh so just generally it's a technique where you take a bisque fired piece so it's been initially fired one time and you take it and you put it in heat again until it um usually you put something on the surface, like some type of glaze or treatment. And then you're watching from, um, it sounds really silly, but it's a glory hole basically at the top of the kiln to see what's happening inside. And as the glaze starts to boil, you, you start to see it kind of bubble up, right? But as soon as it goes soft, placid on the, um, on the surface, 
and it's just, it looks like a molten river. You take it out with, um, uh, I've seen people use like blacksmithing tongs or raku tongs or whatever. You take it directly out of that heat and you put it into combustibles. Uh, what he had there was um, paper and sawdust mm. in a can. So you put it in that can and then you put some over top of it to create that atmosphere and then you close the lid. And what's happening when you're closing the lid is all of the oxygen is, is gone. So it puts out the fire, but the heat's still there. So everything's still creating that environment where the carbons just suck to the surface mm. of what it doesn't have a glaze. Um, so it's turning the surface of the non-glazed areas pitch black. So it's just like absorbing that right into the clay body itself. Everywhere that there's a glaze, it's getting an atmospheric change. So you might have a uh, oxidation or coloration difference when it pulls out. Once you leave it in there for a few minutes, take the lid off, take the piece out, and he was quenching it. So he was taking it right out and putting it directly Ooh. into a bucket of water. Wow. Nice. Now, is that what creates like the crackly outside ones? No, air one? does that. So um. some of the glazes that he was using are like a crackle glaze. And if you blow on the surface before you put it into the combustible, so you take it directly out of the kiln, uh, blow, 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 put it into the combustibles, you're creating um, areas where the, the glaze is curing or cooling faster than the surface of the clay. And mm. it's um, shrinking at a different rate. So that's where you get all the cracks. And oh. once it goes into the combustibles, it fills the cracks with the black soot from the carbon burn off. Mm. So then when you take it out, you can either, like when we do it here, typically we'll just set it off to the side and let it air cool. Uh, there's less risk, <clears throat> less, less risk of explosion when you do that. Um, <laughs> of course. Right. So if it, it's like, it's a pretty risky process for your piece and mm. you can, it can explode at any point. Like it can have too much moisture in it because you put too, like when you put the glaze on, you didn't let it dry enough before you put it in the kiln and you brought it up to, to heat really quickly and, and it can't mm. handle the, the temperature change. Mm. Um, or it can happen when you, when you're taking the piece out and you drop it <laughs> or it can happen when you're taking the piece out, you're putting it into the um, combustibles and you knock the side of the piece off of the can, or it can happen when you're, you're the way that like, this guy was doing, he was quenching it in cold water. And I going to be the perfect application for, experimenting with something risky like that with a group of makers who you know if it, if it exploded right in front of them they'd all just be cheering yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, it was uh it was pretty great he had like two or three different glazes that he was playing with um one is called copper penny so when it goes in um it it just kind of looks real dull when it goes into the kiln and but once it goes through the entire process you get all of these like crazy treatments on the outside that looks like uh, a copper penny where it's like browns and greens and blues and purples 
um, depending mm -hmm. on the environment, how, how well the environment was set. So um, if you put the piece too close to the edge of the can, you're not going to get as much of an atmospheric uh, result. But if you mm -hmm. get it in there where it's not, where it's able to like get some of that leftover oxygen and everything on the surface, you get some really cool um, techniques and, and looking pieces. Nice. It's a friggin' amazing process and I wish I could do more of it, but. I'd love to uh, see the, the, the difference in those, the, the resulting versions of those from the, the slightly damp Saturday to the slightly drier Sunday mm -hmm. to see the, um, you know, side-by-side -side comparison of the um, yeah. atmospheric impact. This, it. Is, this piece is whole. This one exploded. <laughs> right. <laughs> what he was getting was really interesting with the um, the white glaze that he had. Um, on Friday and most of Saturday, it was super gray. It was coming out like really just kind of muddy looking. And then I'm not sure if there was like more rain got mixed into the like to contaminate the the glaze in the bucket and or what. But by the end of the time, he was starting to get a brighter white. Um, so it was, it was really interesting. And he was also like experimenting with, um, instead of, uh, dunking the pieces, he was putting them off to the side and letting the rain come down and seeing like, oh, did raindrops nice. create different, mm. um, oh. textures on the surface. But I, I spent way too much time there knowing what he was doing, you know, like I should have been, <laughs> I should have been going seeing things that I didn't know about, but I, it's just, it's like one of those. It's magic. <laughs> yeah, professionally interesting in, in potentially yeah. a, a huge number of happy accidents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It does very much sound like one of those sort of techniques processes where you know, just a, a small unexpected change results in something that goes, oh, wow, I'm going to do this for the next five years mm -hmm. because this is really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. How do I've I recreate done... almost flooding? I've done it a few times and every time I've done something slightly different experimental and have had it, I mean, I'll put like 15 pieces in uh, and I may only get one piece that I'm like, Oh yes. But it's like, it's, that's just enough for all the work that it takes like to get the kiln ready. It's a couple of hours to get it up to temperature and then, you know, to have the pieces ready yeah, and all yeah. of that. It's like mm -hmm. several days of work to, you know, be prepared to do a four hour session. And then, mm. you know, the payoff is like that one, that one piece that just absolutely surprises you. And he said by the end, he finally got like the, the one piece that he was trying to get from, from the glazes that he brought. So he was pretty, pretty pleased at that point. And that, that was by the end of Sunday. Uh, yeah, by the end of someday. Wow. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. And I think he was using propane to heat his. Mm. Yeah, he had a propane kiln. Mm -hmm. I think so. That kind of makes sense. I'm, I'm... That's the Raku kiln I have, the propane. Oh, okay. But, and do you do that all by eye? Or do you have some kind of temperature gauge or something? I have a you? thermocouple that I can use to like see, yeah. am I at the temperature? But really like talking to him. And talking to some of my teachers, like the best way of knowing that it's ready to come out is the visual, because you could be mm -hmm. like a half a degree different 
and you're too yeah. far gone or you're too early. So that visual huh. being able to see it, I'm sure like with working with molten metal, you have that too. Like yeah. it starts sparking, yeah. you know, we're, yeah, the, we're the burning fun, the material. The funny thing about, uh, especially if you're forge welding mild steel in a coal, in a, in a coal forge, like it's a full sensory experience to notice when it's ready. Mm. Because if you have your back to it, like you can smell the carbon being released and you can hear the crackling of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but also when you're standing there looking at like, you can see the surface, the changes in that happening and like how it starts to bubble, how you start to get that bit of carbon coming out of this, the steel itself. So it, it's a really fascinating thing to see all of that, but also like, one of those learned habits of probably with the same with the glazing, like you need to learn how to spot that difference in like, now it's ready. Now it's the right temperature. Mm. Yeah. And you can't be looking stuff. at your phone. No, no. You, I mean, <laughs> and that, that, that's, that's something, uh, I mean, not to go too far deep into the technicalities of blacksmithing, but like, that's one of the things of like, you need to learn how to be patient because then everything goes quicker. Mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you're able to stand there and just look at the piece and just wait for it to get to the right temperature and you get it at the exact moment, you don't fuck it up. You get it on the first try. Yeah. Right. But if I you are too distracted. With, blacksmithing on the on the coal, I found that looking at Steve's face, um, because I'd have my back to the forge talking <laughs> to Steve, and then I'd see his face change and then hear yeah. the sparks and go, Oh shit, I burnt it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah, that's that one too. way to do it. And we always blame Steve. Yeah. Yes, always Steve. For sure. How about hey. you, Dave? Yeah. What was the question? <laughs> well, <laughs> what did you see? What did you, did what you, apart, from, you apart from manning a, a stand for what sounds like a considerable amount of time, and judging from the kind of what I saw on Instagram, did you get to see other things, so the, the things that caught your eye? Sure. So one of the things they had was these guys came last year and then they came back to demonstrate. They did a flint napping. So they were making uh, flint oh, yeah. arrowheads, nice. which is really interesting to think about because it's basically the same thing as the stone cutting, but just obviously much smaller. And the tools they're using, you know, they don't have a drill. They're not using, you know, they're looking for microscopic, you know, cracks in the, in the material and not, and you know, it doesn't all, it doesn't crack in a, you know, uniform manner. You're not going to get a rectangle out of it that was really really interesting to do um since you know and it was, it was it's really nice that these traditional crafts that have been around for you know, tens yeah, of thousand years, thousands of, of years, years yeah uh, are being maintained i think i think it's a it's, a, it's important i think mm. oh certainly um yeah the, but i saw a lot of uh, kids doing it who are way better than me at it and I thought it was very difficult. <laughs> and the kids are just like, this is, you know. So I was really impressed with that. And that, um, I don't know, Rasmus, if you noticed at all. It seemed like there, last year, I'm pretty sure there was definitely like more um, more kids there than I've seen in previous years. And this year, it seemed like it was, it increased again. So, which is, which is really amazing to see. Yeah. I, I felt like there was actually a lot of whole families who came and spent yes. the weekend. Yeah. And like, I saw that too. Uh, I also felt like I saw a lot of just parents just basically just let their kids loose and just see them, let them run around uh, because like well, <laughs> it's a kind of a contained of area they can't get away. Uh, They're all they children cry. near blacksmiths and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
uh, which was it was really or cool. Or feral yeah. blacksmiths near children. Right. <laughs> Here's or a that. hammer. <laughs> yeah. Here's some hot metal. Right. Well, I mean, Steve does the he'll occasionally do the um, uh, blacksmithing with plasticine, doesn't he? Yes, because that's, yeah. that's the the kind of the the, the crossover. Well, we didn't the, have plasticine, but we did have we did have a Trevor, and Trevor is excellent with kids. So whenever yeah. there was someone smaller of size that wanted to do a bit of forging, it was like Trevor, this one is yours. Have fun. <laughs> He's just excellent with all people, Trevor. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yep. And he uses I the mean, same technique. It doesn't matter hmm. if you're 50 or if you're, you know, five. No, hmm. but it, there is something to the way he communicates with kids that I feel hmm. yeah. not a lot of other people are able to do. That, yeah, that's for or sure. Or maybe it's I mean, just works... the way that he talks to adults the same way he talks to kids, and that works really well. Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It works, it works for everybody. He does it <laughs> yeah. exactly the same. In fairness, we are trying it with kids still. Yeah. Just a phenomenal right. human being. Really. Yeah, more of us should be like Trevor for sure. <laughs> I think that would solve a lot of problems. But who, who is this Trevor? Who is which Trevor? Uh, he goes by Dusty Squeak on the yeah, yeah. Trevor Higgins, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's correct. Yeah. Not familiar. He, oh, you he's should a have good him follow. You should have him on. Often found yeah, in he's um, yeah, he's often found in Laura's um, chats on a the, Sunday the, Sunday yeah. afternoon. Correct. Yep. That's where I met him, and uh, you know, before Maker Camp, even, and uh, he's uh, even cooler in person. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, definitely. Ben and I've Ben and I've had the opportunity to hang out with him several times because so he used to come up to the Lincoln Electric event in Cleveland. Okay. so we've we've always really enjoyed spending time with him. Yeah. So yeah. Th this year, the first year, just sort of changing tack slightly. Over the last couple of years, we've we've kind of got used to seeing, kind of a huge construction of a uh, a dinosaur or a rabbit. Something, yeah, it's the, jackalope. Not the rabbit, a jackalope. Yeah, yeah yes. spends <laughs> yeah best part of a week, if not more, kind of constructed and then kind of burns down right. over a few hours. Now that didn't happen this year, did they? But they, no. but that was so they could bring in more tents, I believe. I think it was twofold, as far as I understood uh, the people I talked about it. One was the organization and the time commitment for building that that burn they had, but also yeah. the fact that it was taking up a lot of space. Uh, like the, basically the entire center of the field was dedicated to this burn because you couldn't really put a tent too close to it when it was burning. Yeah. Which means right. that I think they nearly doubled the amount of exhibitors that was there this year. Maybe not fully doubled, but it felt like that because it was a lot more. Yeah, for sure. I didn't miss it. Right. No, and no, that's that's the thing. That's also the thing. Like I, I didn't miss it either. It was just like it was really cool that they did it earlier. But at the same time, it's also so much so nice to have more things to go and see and more people to talk to and more people to meet. Mm -hmm. And uh yeah, no, it was a spectacle, but at the same time, it was at the end of the Sunday when a lot of people had already left anyway. Right. So, yeah, we were sort of the special gang who got to see the big thing burn, but then again, it was supposed to be for everyone. So having more tents mm. kind of feels like it fits the spirit yeah. of Maker Camp a bit better. At least that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I agree. And they replaced it with the world's loudest fireworks. 
Oh, okay. So that's not America normal. <laughs> okay, that's good to know because that was no. fucking loud. That was they were the loudest fireworks I've ever experienced. Jesus, for sure. Yeah. I'm so sad that I missed that part. I I left on Sunday. My my tent was in the back of the truck, and it didn't withstand the soaking rain. So I ended up staying with. Marielle and Laura at their Airbnb on Saturday night. When I came back, it was just a complete, like the whole truck bed was full of water. So mm -hmm. um, there wasn't, like, I wasn't going to attempt to stay another night. It was like 3.30 in the afternoon and it started to rain again. And I was like, I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm going to try and get home tonight. Um, right. <laughs> I think I'm done with this. Um, but I, I really, I had planned on staying um, Sunday into Monday. Um, but, you know, the only thing that I, I really, like, I missed seeing the closing ceremonies. But I also, I wanted to see the provisioning tent. I don't, did you guys see that at all? Where they were, like, teaching you about you how to prep leather and um, how to do, oh. like, primitive, primitive no. um, stuff? Cool. I didn't know that was going on. Yeah. It was by the coffee tent. Well, I also didn't in go the, to the, the coffee tent, so that might be okay. Yeah, if that was a yeah. So the there was a couple of yurts there, and I think those are the folks. I think that put them together. So, yeah, I I yeah. would have I I was really looking forward to seeing some of the primitive stuff, yeah. and then I got caught up in talking to people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who, who would have thought right. Heidi's a talker? So where's that? I think. If if I'm not mistaken, probably everyone who was there this year will come back. I don't know anyone who isn't planning on coming back. Um, so there's all yeah, you got to plan ahead. You know, the things you missed this year, go to those first. Yeah. I think that that's always a you kind of have to adjust your schedule and kind of focus. That, that's that's really... a bit back and forth for me though, because I I know I didn't get to really to see anything. Because also, like Heidi, I just got caught up talking to people, mm -hmm. but I don't right. feel like I missed out on anything. It was like, right, that's a brilliant experience just to spend the entire weekend just talking to people, meeting new people, and like forcing Norwegian chocolate on folks. It was, <laughs> it was great fun. Yes, thank you very much. Those were good. <laughs> Those were I, very I, good. I, I had Luke, who was working at the uh, the, the Lincoln Electric tent. Like mm -hmm. message me a couple of days afterwards. Like, we found them, we ordered them. They're on their way to us now. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Is it the quick lunch? No, that was the smash. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, I mean, did they even let you on the plane with that? Apparently, <laughs> it was not an issue yeah. going back home. They really wanted me to leave, but right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll One of the things, the show, don't forget. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'll save those. But um, yeah, I mean, I was stuck in the tent, you know, stuck in there, but, you know, doing the thing I wanted to do. So I was that was great. But I met a million people. And I think that, you know, it really helps that activity is, you know, it's super quiet. So everybody, yeah. so many people were meeting each other while they were doing the activity. And, you know, and I was mm. able to, you know, meet a bunch of people that way. So I really, that's also a benefit of being a demonstrator is that you, they so come you, to you, you stay in one place and everybody yeah. comes there yeah. to talk to you. Yeah. I, I also kind of uh, had the benefit or consciously doing the thing of when I was going off to eat, 
I would I would always end up just going over by myself because food and me wouldn't surprise anyone. Uh, mm -hmm. But my only goal was like, let me just see if I can find a table where only one know one person and sit down there right. and just talk to people. And that's, yeah, that's, that's a lot of, also a lot of interesting things. Yes. Yeah. I kind of want to make a joke about that, but that's, that's actually really good. <laughs> what kind of jokes are you going to make about that? Yeah. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> it was a buffet. I could pick as much food as I wanted to. There's no problems here. No. Ah, yeah, that's the one thing they don't run out of is uh, food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and nothing was, was very American. Like, it was overpriced. You know, like I, I was a little nervous going up to a resort. Like what, what's going to be ridiculous? And like, not, I, everything was affordable. Even when Rasmus and I went and ate in the, what were they doing? Like Oktoberfest? <laughs> yeah, in the bar. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. on Saturday to get out of the rain, we sat we sat at the bar and and had some food and I. I, it was like reasonably priced. Yeah, I mean, everything was just good. Mm -hmm. Are American portion sizes just about enough for a single meal for you, Raz? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think on two occasions, I actually left some bits of food. You but, did with me. Yeah. You you ate oh my. most of the tater top plate, but there was a good portion left. That was a big plate. It, it was probably meant for four people. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Nobody yeah, told me that, but okay. <laughs> I was going to say that makes much more sense now. Yeah, I, I, I was just yeah. I was just getting a bit worried there, but yeah, that actually makes yeah. more sense if the. There was, there was also an occasion when, when was this? I I ordered like two pizzas, one for a starter and one for dinner, and I left like a, a slice and a half or something. I was like, yeah, that that's also enough. That's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall where that was. I think it was with Sack in Ohio or something before all of the shenanigans. But yeah, right. Those are Those just are different shenanigans. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Axe-shaped shenanigans. Right, yeah, that looks fun too. Lots of fun. I, th I think I think that's that's kind of sort of something that's kind of I, I kind of hinted out at the start. It, although it's a weekend, yeah, make a Catskill Mountain Maker Camp, yeah, starts on the Friday, yeah, finishes on the Sunday, goes, yeah, a lot of people there till the Monday, as has been mentioned. Mm. But there's a lot of things happening beforehand and yeah it was almost like kind of uh it was reminded in some ways it reminded me a little bit of kind of you we see these kind of sort of if you remember like the smoking the bandit films from the sort of 70s and 80s where there'd be like a group of people kind of aiming for one sort of central point it, looking on the sort of <laughs> socials on instagram yeah. the stories yeah you'd kind of sort of see yeah there was raz it was you and and the former forge guys you know kind of going off to zach's and there were other people that were kind of particularly who were coming from Europe um, or, or other parts of America, you're tandered, you're mm. biking up from yeah. you know, New Mexico. Yeah. And that was really cool, right? Just, just, it's, it's, just it's, it's this convergence that's happening and, and events that are happening along the way and people meeting up. It's just seemed, yeah, it's just, it's spectacular and, you know, quite heartwarming, 
never mind the, the FOMO side of things. I suppose it's the it's the flip side for you know kind of our rest of the world friends who look in on Maker Central. It's the it's, it's that yeah. kind of flip side to it, isn't yep. it? It's seeing your yeah. friends uh, getting to hang out and things like that. It's, there's that kind of compersion there of, of like, um, yes, it's wonderful seeing your friends, but I'd also like to jump in on that hug as well. Mm. I want to. I'd, I'd like. I'd like to talk about more about Maker Central comparisons in the after show. Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm special of the fact that, yeah, we, we, we do have an after show doing it. Um, yeah, obviously, we're talking three different time zones at the moment. Uh, mm. so just very, just very quickly, perhaps, uh, what was the one thing maybe that particularly caught your attention at Maker Camp? And Jamie and I will just do a, whatever's caught our attention this week. Who wants to go first? One thing that is always a lot of fun is the guys who is doing the iron melt during the Maker Camp. Which, of course, they had a somewhat of a problem during the downpour. Melting iron <laughs> in rain is kind of tricky. So they were aiming yeah. for, I think they were aiming for a pour of 30 pounds, which would be a little bit bigger than last year. But they ended up with 10 from the first initial port, just because they had to end it early, because that got difficult. Yeah, but, it can potentially be quite a dangerous activity with that amount of water around as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly, I wasn't there to see it, but um, they are called uh, Smelt Team 6 on Instagram and YouTube, which is well worth a check, because they have a couple of uh, videos showing like just uh, the whole process from a few years back, and but Instagram is a lot better for things. But it's like they have gotten this thing basically broken down to as good of a science as anyone can do with the primitive tools they bring along to a camp. And I, I talked to them a little bit, and on average, they do three to six or three planned and up to six uh, melts a year at the various wow. events. Wow. And then they do as many as they can just for fun out in addition to that oh goodness yeah so and they, they've been doing this for a lot of years now and it's really fun to talk to them and listen to them and also hear them talk about the experience of like oh yeah if we take this iron here that was from this era and epoch or something and we try to remelt that it always tends to go a bit badly because it doesn't want to like stick back to itself again after it melts and things like that and like the angle of the flue, they have to get the air in the, the height of the chimney and just a tempo and how they add charcoal and iron into it. It's just amazing to talk to them. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. It's one of those things. There's so many variables. And all of them, it, it's, 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 and there's so many of them that seem so tiny. Yeah. But then they are so important over the course of a day or whatever when they do the melt. Mm. Dave, what about you? What, uh, what, what particularly grabbed your attention? Uh, there were too many things. So. <laughs> but um, um, the one thing was the restoration station where they collected uh, over 200 old hand planes and other tools. I think they had some squares and levels and stuff like that. And so they donated all these tools. And then I think there was probably like eight or ten different people who cycled through and they basically... We'll show you how to take the tools apart, um, you know, clean it up and restore it and get it back to working order. So 
Ooh, you know, nice. 200 yeah, people left good. with new appreciation for hand tool woodworking and, uh, you know, a, a tool that they can get started with. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That good. Heidi, what's done that thing for you? Um, one thing that we didn't talk about, uh, the maker swap was yes right freaking yes. impressive um so you guys most of your audience is familiar with the um the treasure trade that the proposal yeah. tools team does every year and it's that's always fun to like see the posts and the pictures and everything but um they had an entire tent pretty much dedicated to the maker swap and the amount of master crafted work that was in that tent was just phenomenal. Um, they had a shave horse. Someone did an entire chess set of 3D printed makers with like- oh, um, yeah. Yeah, with, yeah, with Jimmy as the king and Pat Lap as the queen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, there were pieces that were hand carved. There were pieces that were done on the CNC. There were pieces that were 3D printed. There was a quilt. Um, mm. There was a mug. <laughs> uh, there were some other pieces from the other ceramic artists that were there. Um, yes, you got your Ooh. knife. That's the knife I got. Nice. I got a, a, a draw knife, which Ben promptly took as soon as I got home. Uh, <laughs> it, it was really, really nice. It was a uh, hand forged draw knife with um, brass coating on the surface. I guess you do that. Yeah, with the, brush. the brass brushed finish that uh, Brett yeah. has been doing a lot of. Yeah, mm. it looked really, really cool. Uh, it was wrapped in leather. So Ben was super excited that he got something uh, <laughs> for all the tedious like stuff he had to do at home while I was gone. Right. Uh, but that was, I think. Some of the things that I heard from years past was that some people just like brought little trinkets, right? They were like, oh, here's, you know, a CNC keychain that I made or, you know, something. So I wasn't sure what the caliber of the work was going to be in that. But man, uh, I, I did post videos on my um, Instagram stories. I'll have to recut that and put it as a reel so you guys can kind of get a yeah. sense for some of this, I went like from table all the way to the shelves so you could see everything that was wow. in there. And I mean, uh, there's one thing to like talk with people from our community and know like 90% of these people are really good at some aspect of making, mm -hmm. but then to see the proof of it in the pudding, right. <laughs> so to speak, like just, it blows you away. Like I, mm. I sat talking with people that I never met before and, and never probably would have thought that they would even want to talk to me uh, and learned so much about things that they were doing and on a different side of the internet that I, I wasn't even aware of and being able to see the, the handcrafted stuff that they were making at the swap was, um, it was, it was tremendous. I think it's uh, worth mentioning to that. Work? No, uh, so that's what I was gonna say. Uh, mm. The whole Microsoft was organized by the, the guys behind Working Hands podcast. Yeah. Which, and I think they might have done it spontaneously or semi-spontaneously last year, or something right. like it. Uh, I, 
I'm not sure the, if that was the first time. the year before. I think it started the year before spontaneously. A little okay, bit more organized okay. last year, but then changed it. They changed it up this year. Proper now, yeah. Um, but they, they shared a tent with the... Um, what was it called? Make for Jesse uh, Foundation thing? Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was... A part of that was also a absolute book nerd who has a tendency of just buying out a book. So, of course, I fell in love with him. Yeah, uh, that's Matt. Yeah, uh, I don't recall his Instagram thing, but Matt's something something. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he he was one of the persons that's like he will buy a lot of books, and then he realized like, oh, you love this thing. Here's that book. And mm. the other half of the time, he will come home and put that book in the bookshelf, and he was like, oh, it's already there. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and he just Never had happened. boxes and boxes of really like new uh, uh, maker books on everything. And you pay what you wanted, donate it to the, the foundation. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Right. Incredible. Dangerous, but nice. Very dangerous. <laughs> I, dangerous I, had to, for Rasmus. <laughs> I had to keep my lim- weight limit in mind when I was spent shopping there. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. and, but you also, luckily, he, he, there was a couple of books that I saw that I already had. So I, I was saved. Oh, good. <laughs> Save those for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, I got to talk. Maybe to answer your question, I think the basic idea was you turned up with something. You were then given a ticket. Yes, yes. And then right. there was a draw. Uh, and you're, the, it, I think that each each object was given a number, and then you were given the number. So it's kind of like yeah. a make a and raffle could, almost. And then it was just like a raffle, yeah. And then mm-hmm. it was nice. sort of yeah. pulled out. So very random. No kind of no organisation in terms of, oh yeah, if if you're. Not like the fools who treasure trade, we we're going to go right. If you're in Europe and you you want you're sent to Europe, and if you're in the UK but don't want to send outside, and if you're in Australia and you don't want to yeah. send abroad, and so what we're saying is, Ras could have ended up with a chauffeur horse to try and fly yeah. home. With. Could have. Four foot sign, yeah. <laughs> we all wondered. Nervous. We all wondered who was going to get that massive chauffeur horse and how they were mm-hmm. going to get it home. Tanda was a little right. nervous. She mm-hmm. said she would have just left it at Jenny's. Your, she could have built a trailer. <laughs> Just to add wheels to it and then clip it onto the back yeah, of the bike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a couple thousand miles, it would have been all right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like Laura's video where she was like hauling a piece of wood from the the store oh, yeah. <laughs> along the street with those tiny little wheels. <laughs> it's gonna make it five feet. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, what's been grabbing your attention this week? Uh I've a little bit of self-care this weekend, actually, just kind of oh, actually Ooh. taking a breather because it's been pretty relentless for quite a long time. So I've, I've finally finished season two of Foundation. Nice. Done a little bit of little oh, bit wow. of 3D design stuff and a bit of 3D printing and a bit of just taking it easy. Tell yeah, me, Foundation tell me. season two. Uh, tell amazing. me what you think of episode eight. I, I wasn't as surprised as I think I was expecting to be from you and Red saying it, because I'd I'd kind of had the same inkling. Yeah. Uh, so it was nice. It was more of a reveal rather than a side swipe, because um, mm. it was mulling around as the as the obvious. But I have read the books as well, so so I, have I. Read the books years ago. Yeah. Um, but it just phenomenally cast, beautifully written. Amazing acting, and the Bel Rios and his husband, uh, just the cutest, most gorgeous couple 
ever seen in TV, I think. I want to just cuddle them both. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, that wonderful, wonderful TV Heartbreaking show. stuff. Yeah. Well, just their, their whole arc ever season two mm. is just... They're just so bloody cute and so well written for it to be, for to to be a, a, a gay couple. That's there's an age gap and a power dynamic and everything else that's that you don't often see that kind of thing. And it was just there as part and parcel of everything. It wasn't like a light shone on it as hey look at these two. You know, it was just kind of. Yeah, it was very much played as this is normal for us. Like this yeah. is the world we live in, where this is normal. Absolutely glorious to see that. Yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful TV shows. I would, I would highly recommend everyone watch it. Yeah. What's it called? Foundation. Foundation. Okay. Based yeah, on by Isaac Asimov. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah, so I, I do I need read to read the, books, the so. do I need to read the books or am I gonna be okay watching this? You okay. you you'd be you absolutely be... okay watching it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the series right. does it very well justice, I feel. It's a really, really interesting premise for the whole story. It's it's kind of sci-fi-ish, but it is just a very, very interesting take on reality. Awesome. It's very cool. How about you, Andy? Yeah. Cool. Well, this week I discovered by accident a maker called, and I'm going to butcher this name, and I apologize now for the, the, um, the, the link will be, it's not there currently, but it'll be there tomorrow for in the, the show notes. Uh, and Alexander Haritzai, a carver, generally making, wood carver, generally making things out of wood, generally making helmets from fantasy and sci-fi mm -hmm. and yeah they are phenomenal absolutely really phenomenal are. he's got a and he's got far too few followers on instagram and on youtube uh i don't know if he's also on, i'm not on tiktok i don't know if he's on tiktok and he's bigger there but considering the quality of what he's producing the skill that he has mm. it, it's mind blowing how good his stuff is um, and he should have, yeah, he should, he should be one of these sort of makers with, yeah, 30, 40,000 followers. Uh, it's yeah, just definitely an extra zero or two on his follower count. Yeah, it really is. It's next level carving. Mm. It's, it's next level making, next level carving. Um, absolutely. So, yeah, definitely, definitely that's a, a thing to check out. So, link will be in the show notes tomorrow. Um, yeah. Right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna pop over to the after show now and find out a bit more about this TSA incident. Um, <laughs> for those who are interested in in finding the uh, the after show, obviously it's uh, Patreon.com/slash/makerswaffle. Um, best place to find it and get the extra audio, uh, which is normally about the s slightly shorter or sometimes even slightly longer than the the, the main show. So it's a, it's a podcast think, two ish. Yeah, basically. Yeah, we uh, yeah did a to did a total up of the number of hours of recording um, this last week. I'll, uh, I'll show no, no, that Andy, you did a total well. up of how many days we've recorded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'll, I'll I'll share that in the the after show. Yeah, how many? If you've listened to the whole lot, including the, 
the, the after it, shows. It's, it's bordering on weeks of recording. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh okay. so, so here, here's, the, here's a bet, though. Have you more hours recorded than total than I have listened to podcasts in the last year? Mm. I thought he was going to say week. <laughs> oh, well, we can make it interesting. Is yeah. it more than what I listened to in the last two weeks, then? Because, well, like, it doesn't count if you've I... listened to us as well. Yeah, yeah I was gonna remember say, he listens at triple speed. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I mean, everyone's everyone. You, you three have been on. So thank you, Heidi Whitehall Pottery, Dave Dave Barrard, and Rasmus Loan from everything Rasmus Loan um, for coming on talking about. Make a camp. I was just about to say make a central then, but no, make a camp. Um, <laughs> Same initials. And uh, yeah, that I, I started. I was writing something down earlier. I thought I can't write MC for this because it mm. doesn't quite work. It's very silly um, that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we will see everyone else next week, and the patrons will be up to listen tomorrow to what's going on. So, bye, folks. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. Bye.